Coffee with your spouse is like capturing happiness in a cup. She's the cream of my coffee. And he's the sugar in my cup. I'm Teddy. And I'm Jenny. You're, You're listening, listening to, to Cream, cream in, in My, my coffee. coffee. This podcast contains adult language and adult topics intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Kama Sutra is a written guide to the art of living well, the nature of love, finding a life partner, maintaining one's love life, and other aspects pertaining to pleasure-orientated facilities of human life. Join us as we discuss eroticism and emotional fulfillment through the ancient Sanskrit pages of the Kama Sutra. Welcome back to Cream of My Coffee with your host, Teddy. And your co-host, Jenny. What's up? What's up, everyone? And today we are going to be talking about the Kama Sutra. Ooh. Can't wait to get into it. Let's go. This is a message from our sponsors. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. So the Kama Sutra, when you hear the words Kama Sutra, what comes to mind? Sex, of course. (laughs) Lots and lots of crazy sex. So if you're thinking that it has anything to do with like aerobatic sex, positions, or, you know, you wouldn't really be the only one to kind of think about that first off. Well, that's good to know because that's the only thing that comes to mind with me. All jokes aside, the Kama Sutra is actually more than just about sex, even though it really is about sex, if that makes any sense. It's a written guide to the art of living well, the nature of love, finding a partner, maintaining one's love life, and other aspects of pleasuring yourself and your partner. Yes, absolutely. So what are we going to do? How are we going to pleasure your partners? I don't know. Let's find out. We can we can actually pause this podcast and find out right now, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. But our, lis- our listeners are listening. So... What is the actual Kama Sutra? It's truly an ancient Indian uh, treatise on living a pleasurable life. You know, though it's it's known for one of its sections that give instructions on how to have better sexual experiences, it's pr- predominantly a book that's just really about sex. So it was originally written to teach young wealthy men on how to live well. And it includes instructions on a wide variety of topics, such as how to build a house, how to find a wife, how spouses should treat each other, and just so much more. You could actually say that it's a little bit of everything, honestly. So it's it's a book on how to live and appreciate the finer things. And the word kama translates to love, desire, and pleasure. A sutra is a specific type of Indian literature typically written in aphorism and is meant to be instructive. So basically a pleasure manual. That's what Kama Sutra is. Literally exactly what I'm getting to next. Therefore, Kama Sutra roughly translates to a pleasure manual. Absolutely. That's correct. Well, I never read the manual, but I sure as hell seen the movie. Matter of fact, we own the movie. And if y'all haven't seen Kama Sutra movie out there, I truly, truly recommend that you watch it. We've probably watched that movie over 50 times in our lifetime. It was, I think it came out in 1997. It's a really good movie. They show somewhat of some of the positions that we're going to speak of in this podcast today. Again, I truly recommend you see the movie. The movie is more just about sex. It's about love as well and finding love and losing love at the same time. So the movie itself, just to get a little bit more on that, it doesn't really give you like the ideal book. No, per no, se. not not at all. It's just portraying different versions of the book in a, a very large, uh, big screen, uh, cinematic point of view. It's a hot, sexy movie. You gotta watch <laughs> it, regardless. It's not three sixty five, but no, it is nothing is massimo. <laughs> now, uh, it is truly about about pleasure in a b- broader sense, Kama Sutra in general. But it's, it's very much about the elegance. Uh, it's about refinement of sex. It's not just about the positions. And that's that's the main thing we've got to stretch out. Is that, that is some of the things that I think everyone really thinks about. It's just about sex positions. It's absolutely not about that. There's much more in depth 
You go way beyond that. The em- it's not just physical, it's emotional. It's emotional and the intensity of those emotions as well. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is, is like, think about this, you know, for, for the guys or the women as well. It's not, as you may find a partner, it's not just about the sex portion. There's so much more to it. It's about the connectivity. It's about the desire. It's about the emotions, like Jen was saying. There's so much to it. The whole package with the Kama Sutra, that's what it is. But, you know, how does it work? How does it work? Well, we'll tell you how it works, but before we get into how it works, I want to give you guys a little bit of history about it. I think it'll be important to kind of give you what, it, where and how it came from. So the Kama Sutra is thought to have been written around the year 8300 by a Hindu philosopher named Varasyana Malagana. So glad you pronounced that because I'm looking at those words and I'm like, huh? <laughs> and honestly, historians really don't know much about this guy. We just know that his name is is the author of the Kama Sutra. That's interesting. Yep. Um, I mean, the book is actually thought to be, you know, just a collect a collection of previous texts that the author, the author just really just stitched together. But some believe that much of the book may actually have been written by a woman. Believe that or not. I believe it. I believe it. I would say if any of you have ever read uh, read the Kama Sutra in general, you would see that there is parts of a, of a woman, there's parts of a man. I believe there is an in-depth collaboration in order to make this book work. All this information were written about a thousand years before. And it's pretty much kind of like a copy and paste of little bits and pieces here and there as well. So again, these are just theories that, that are a part of it. But no one has a true origin other than this particular author. It's it's pretty mystifying, honestly. And the Kama Sutra is made up of exactly 1,250 verses that are split into 36 chapters. The overall book is separated into seven different parts, which we are going to discuss. So uh, according to Indian mythology, some of those original texts are believed to have been written by the wife of the god of love himself, Kama. Other stories suggest uh, courtesans of the, of the time paid for the book to be written. So there's a, there's a couple of different theories and philosophies out there. But the bottom line is, is how do we pleasure your partners? In particular, it focuses on pleasuring the woman. Okay, so how, how do you do that? You want to show me, Teddy? Well, yeah, we, we definitely can, but uh, we have the podcast to do and we have to continue. We have to do the research. We do, we do, but we don't want to give them false research we have to give them proper research that's why we have to learn from first-hand experience i'm saying (laughs) i agree i agree so how does it work let's get into it there are seven different parts to this first one is the taka general principles so the kama sutra book begins with an introduction and history of the four aims of hindu life It includes advice and philosophy on topics such as how to live an honorable life and how to acquire knowledge. That is, I think, one of the most basic principles of Kama Sutra and a really good philosophy of just your standard, the taka. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like such a dirty word. (laughs) It does. I hate to say uh, negative things about it or make fun of it but it sounds there's a lot of lot of weird sounding words we'll get into it i'll do my best to pronounce it as we continue it only gets harder to pronounce some of these words as we as we get to different parts here show me your (laughs) detaka all right the next one is soon vananraba and that is amorous advances and sexual union so part two goes straight into the sexual content that many people associate with the Kama Sutra. People like me. <laughs> there are details on 64 different types of sexual acts, everything from embracing and kissing to more aggressive acts like grabbing and slapping. Ooh, now it's speaking my language. 
That is definitely one of the most exciting parts that I think Jenny's gonna get. Heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> the third part of the Kama Sutra is the Gurugamukha, and that means acquiring a wife. Part three focuses on the life of a bachelor and the ways of courting a woman for marriage. They are mostly based on astrologically compatibility and the benefits of marriage for families involved in accordance with the social caste India system in, in, in India. I'm all so. for the astrology part because I really do believe that there is science proof that certain astrological signs are more sexually compatible and mentally and emotionally more compatible, kind of like us. That, I mean, that, that I can see. I mean, with the Indian culture, or India in general, they have very strong astrological background and beliefs. So they use all the skies, stars, moon, sun, every aspect of it um, in correlation of something. I know our stars and planets and all line up <laughs> with yep. our birth dates and our astrological signs. We're compatible sexually, mentally, emotionally, and just every way. We're perfect. Well, that's definitely, I'm so glad we do because if not, I mean, things could be pretty rocky. <laughs> I wouldn't have been with you this long if we weren't compatible in those ways. And I looked up that shit when we first got together <laughs> 25 years ago and made sure I don't know if I strongly, strongly believe in it, but I, I do see that it does have truth. And we're just a really great example of that. I agree. I mean, I mean, it's definitely a, a great thing to, to have, especially a, a, the part of acquiring a wife. I'm glad it stated that. Now it tells you how. So the fourth portion is Gonardia. It's duties and privileges of the wife. Part four discusses the author's view of the traditional duties of a wife, the cooking, cleaning, and catering to, to her husband. This section seems out of place with modern relationships and views about gender roles, but keep in mind that this was written thousands of years ago in a different time and place. Um, for one, that word seems like a freaking disease, and two, that's very biased. I'm all for being submissive because it's just my personality when it comes to us being married. I don't mind the cooking, the cleaning, and catering, of course, to you. However, in the times we live in, you're absolutely right. Like that's This was obviously written a very long time ago because there are plenty of independent women out there that don't feel like those are their roles, that don't need to be having role identities in today's society it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl i mean you can cook you can clean for one another it should not matter and not just be established for women overall yeah i mean i agree i mean everybody is different every culture is different this is not for everybody um some will agree with this some will disagree with this it just depends on you your relationship your culture your values Everyone has a different point of view about this particular topic, and I will not discriminate against how you live or decide to choose to um, live your life with your partner. I can already see the emails rolling in from number four. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I can of already see it happening. I mean, people are going to be like, "What?" This is something from a time ago, and uh, you know, as we've all uh, heard about, and some of you may still have family members, relatives, and or parents that may be living that has lived through this this portion of... Uh, an era. An, an era, basically. Yeah, yes. an era that's ended. Let's clarify that. And like I said, gender roles, I don't feel like that should be a thing. I mean, whether you're a guy or girl, you should be able to cook, clean, and cater to one another. It should be even, 50-50. I do agree. However, there are a lot, a lot of folks out there that this has not changed for and still believe in that old traditional values there is not a lot of that now today and a lot of the values are very very different the points of views are very very different everyone has an equal version of what we should and should not do but in america is like that outside of the u.s it is a completely different cultural phase. completely yeah no that i understand especially watching the show 90 day fiance the other way i've been watching that and yeah i can see that completely different than america yeah so those of us that live here and those of us that that cherish this country those of us that may take take it for granted 
you definitely want to be appreciative of what you have and the ability you have as far as equality for all. And we respect every culture out there, you know, nationality, religion, race, and so forth, and whatever gender roles people choose. But for us, in our personal marriage, in our personal relationship, we are 50-50, and we don't see, like, you know, we do have roles in our marriage. Obviously, Teddy's the one that, you know, works. I'm the one that, you know, takes care of the kids and so forth. But that's not an obligation. It is by choice. Exactly. So our next part is Goni Kaputra. It sounds wow. like you said it. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it sounds like you said. Yeah, it sounds like you said a no-no word. It looks like I don't know word, but it's pronounced <laughs> that way. And it translates into friends and family. So part five outline, outlines uh, roles of different genders in non-sexual relationships. So it teaches how to understand emotions and discusses ways to deepen bonds between family and friends. That's really nice, actually. That is actually probably the most softening piece right before part four. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have did friends and family before we went to duties and privileges of the wife, but maybe they just want to throw the hard one in first and let you ease down after that high climax. I think this actually really does show how the Kama Sutra really just isn't based upon sex alone, even though it's a big part of it, like we said at the beginning of this podcast. Part six is Charayana, and that is courtesans. So, part six explores a man's use of courtesans or prostitutes. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? To build his confidence and his sexual abilities before pursuing a wife. It also gives advice on fixing past relations, relationships with friends and lovers and how to become wealthy and what to look for in a committed partner. Um, I'm all for in agreement with that except for the prostitutes part. You should not have prostitutes. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just basically um, pimping out your manhood just to have the experience to be able to pleasure your partner. However, that is extremely biased between Very the biased. one way. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. As well as, you know, okay, I get you want to have experience, but it's unfair to your partner. I think even with this, again, this is written you know, way back 300, uh, AD 300, at, at some aspects as has been modified and altered throughout the year, the time period. However, with something like that, you want to give that experience between you and your partner together as you're exploring each other. I think that's a better solution than trying to go out there and just have wild free range of sexual encounters with so many different individuals to gain experience it's almost like a free pass to do what the hell you want prior to going to the one innocence that you're about to encounter that's just horrible i feel like back then they you know if you had a penis that was a free pass to do as you felt fit because you were a man and i don't think that's fair one and two sex is something that is beautiful it's not just about getting a quick oh my gosh you know it's it's something beautiful that happens between two people and should be experienced by someone you actually care about instead of just going to pimp out your penis to different prostitutes i mean i agree but again we're going back to different cultural things where some people uh, may find this okay i i can tell you here with with me and probably majority of the folks in the u.s this is not okay at all However, again, we are going based upon the Kama Sutra. This is part of it. It kind of gives you an idea of what that cultural piece might have been back then. And glad that you are living in today's standards. (laughs) Thank goodness. My gosh, I could not have lived back then. I would have been really defiant, one of those defiant women that it was probably stoned to death. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I would not want to be one of those people to be stoned to death. So thank God. Well, you that. wouldn't have been because you're a dude. No, I would have been because the Puerto Rican would have still been in you. <laughs> <laughs> I would have got the damn chancla people throwing stones up, throwing sandals. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just like bullets. <laughs> so the uh, last part to this is the Cuchamara. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> 
Kuchimura is the <laughs> occult practices. So the book finishes with a section on sexual legends, myths, and practices. This includes personal grooming, the use of perfumes and oils, and homopathic remedies for sexual problems. So this is actually pretty cool, like a uh, remedy piece to really just be sensual in, in all aspects of, it's almost like a soothing portion and being able to get yourself ready before the act. Basically, they had a bunch of herbs back then that was like Viagra, correct? That That's what this is. And grooming yourself and getting ready by like these little remedies, concoctions, correct? It, it seems like it. And that seems like what it's trying to explain is, you know, before you do the deed, some folks just like random spontaneous. Some need to be 100% in the mood and in the function, as well as completely smelling clean, very well put together before even going up to, to that, that point. I think that's us. I think <laughs> we, we, are, we are those bougie people that we have to be like perfect. And I'm pretty sure that's why this is called a Kuchimera. Am I saying that right? <laughs> yep. it's, it's to prepare your coochie. <laughs> that's what this that's is. so weird. Maybe that's where the word comes from. Who knows? That's what I was thinking when he said it. I started laughing for that reason. I was just like, okay, so let's groom the coochie. That's, that's what that is. <laughs> Yeah, it sure is. So, um, you know, like I had fun kind of going through those different uh, topics or different parts. The best part, though, which everybody was thinking about in the beginning of what they think about Kama Sutra is probably the most funnest part now. And it is the sex positions of the Kama Sutra. Please, yes. Tell all. (laughs) So what all of you were waiting for, I'm going to let Jenny start off with the very first subtopic of it. While most of the poses of the Kama Sutra are complex and difficult, there's some that are more easier for most people to try. And we actually chose the ones that were easier because a lot of the sex positions in the Kama Sutra, you can actually get hurt. (laughs) Hurt really bad and end up in the ER. I mean, we've seen some crazy, crazy pictures online of certain positions that were very acrobatic and very impossible for us to do. And it was just like a quick trip to the ER. That's what that would have landed. But these positions that we chose, they seem a little bit easier to do. And I will definitely uh, post a link in the show notes to help you guys be able to visually see these positions that we chose a little bit better. So the first one is a tigress. Now this position is similar to the reverse cowgirl position. (laughs) So to begin, one partner lies down on their back and the other climbs on top, sitting upright but facing toward their partner's feet. The person on top rocks back and forth, controlling the pace and the depth of the penetration. Penetration. (laughs) Stop. A tiger or and penetration. And then there's a cowgirl all thrown into there. I love the names of this. This is really interesting. We done this. This was this is easy. This is very easy, and you can't you can't get hurt. (laughs) It's like India meets the U.S. (laughs) And we were going through the World Cup. I don't know. I'm just saying. But the next one, let's go to the next one. The next one is called the Milk and the Water Embrace. Hmm. It seems real wet. Oh my gosh, you're so cheesy. (laughs) One partner sits in a chair, preferably one with no arms. You definitely don't want to have a chair with arms or obviously you're going to have some rashes and it's going to hurt like hell. But the other partner sits on top of them facing away. So basically one person sitting on a chair, the other one is going to... Pretty much the woman is going to be on top of the man and you're sitting on a chair and you are having intercourse directly on top. So as your arms and your bodies are intertwined facing each other, um, or it's supposed to be facing away, but you, I would say that you're going to face each other and then you're interloping at that moment or penetration at that moment. And the whole concept with the no arms on the chair it's it's easier to motion with your feet because I feel like this gives a woman better stability to ground her feet to be able to control the depth of penetration on how deep she wants to go and 
it just works out a lot better with no arms. And if you didn't want to sit with your back facing your partner, you could always turn around. And again, if the chair has no arms, that makes it doable. And you would be able to control the, the pace of how fast or slow you want to go or how deep you want to go, which I prefer this position because I think, again, it's the woman has control over the man and how, how she wants to do things. It's just really good. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe you want some milk and cookies later? We can do that. Shit, I like some milk and cookies. I don't mind that after sex. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea, that or coffee. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. And those of you that may go a little freakier than that and just want to bathe in milk, go for it. What I? What the hell? Oh, gosh. I, I know we're not knocking on anyone. I couldn't do that. I couldn't mm. do that. I like milk, you know, with something sweet, but there's the whole having that all over my body or your body, that would be just... A little gross for me. I agree. The next one is clasping position. Now this position is a variation of the missionary position. So if you could picture this, both partners are lying down across a comfortable surface, legs stretched out and aligned. One partner lies on top of the other, bellies are touching, while the other partner thrusts from the bottom position. I don't know if I actually said that good enough to translate into a into a vision what do you think teddy so yeah i mean basically it's um you know either the man or the woman basically is on top of each other literally one on top of like a sandwich and the other person is you know obviously you you're already penetrated as a, a your partner and then you're one of them, either the woman can thrust or the man can thrust. Either one of you can actually move the motion itself with both legs aligned, everyone stretched out in the same position. It's just another form without having to lay on the on the bottom and the man on top doing standard missionary. I like the next one. Okay, let's go with the next one. Queen of Heaven. <laughs> Queen of Heaven. Hmm. One partner lies on their back with the knees bent to their chest. The other partner positions their their thighs on the outside of the other person's bent legs and leans forward. Mm. Well, the, the gates of heaven are open there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, damn, that sounds like a really nice position. That's something pretty cool. Can definitely try. Um, I, I plan on. <laughs> I plan on. So before we get into our next position, I want to go back and just talk a little bit about the, the Queen of Heaven position. It's literally a position that was named after the wife uh, with the God, from the God of Heaven. And it's also referred to as Indrani's position. So... This sex position has a twist, again, with a missionary piece. you got to be flexible. The receiver lies on their back with their knees drawn to the chest in a fetal position. So if you can kind of envision that. And then drawing your calves down to touching their thighs, uh, their thighs as possible. Then the penetrator, which is normally the male, Kneels with their thighs on each side of their partner and thrust. Thrust. Keep on thrusting. <laughs> Please. Work the pelvic muscles. That's a really good workout, though. Seriously, all in all, like, it's a good workout. It really is. I mean, I think that's a pretty good um, aspect of things. So I just wanted to kind of point that out before we get any further. Damn, we need to burn some calories today. Let's let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> So the next one, though, is the ballet dancer. Uh, one person stands and balances on one foot, just like you would a, as a flamingo, and then wraps the opposite leg around their partner's waist for support. So imagine not having any hands, and then you're, the only thing you have to hold you up or do anything is with your legs and your feet. So again, think about this. Say you put your, just to give you an envision, put your left foot down as you're standing with your left foot up uh, and then you're making, and you're bringing up your, your right leg around your partner's waist. 
Your partner then does the same exact thing. They stand on their left foot, they bring their right foot around your waist, so you both are grasping each other. And from that, one of you are inserting yourself, and you are literally being able to penetrate from that. I'm now, just thinking you put your you, right foot in, you put your <laughs> left foot out. You can, you can definitely do that with just one of you like that. However, it's, it's traditionally meant for normally the penetrator, the, the guy, to stand on both legs while the female is on the one foot balancing and wrapping their partner with the one leg. I'm flexible with shit. That just sounds exhausting. It really is. But um, with, again, the Indian or India uh, culture, that a lot of folks are pretty flexible. They, they focus and do a lot of yoga. They do a lot of uh, exercises to help stretch muscles and functions. So they're used to doing that. It's normally not too difficult for the majority of them. Um, the next one is called splitting the bamboo. One person stretches out splinters <laughs> flat and shifts their weight to one side, then raises a leg up and rests on their partner's shoulder. Their other leg remains stretched out underneath their partner. Again, splitting the bamboo. Um, I would not be trying this one with you. I love you, but no. <laughs> the only thing splitting bamboos are pandas. I mean, they split bamboos pretty regularly with their mouths. So, unless you're a panda, maybe Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> you'd probably be okay. But, hey, why not? Give it a try. I definitely would suggest those of you that, that maybe want to try something different, give it a try. This sounds like, I mean, a little painful because the way it's describing the legs need to be stressed, stretched out. Yeah, it's it's definitely, these are challenging. These are very, very challenging, especially if you're not too flexible. It gives you a reason to, to be flexible, though. I mean, these were actually the easier ones, though, listed on the Kama Sutra. The rest of them are extremely difficult. I wish we can give you guys visuals, but I know the majority of this is audio. I hope we're explaining as best to our ability so you can kind of visualize how some of these should work. I am going to try, though, to link something in the show notes, whether or not it's the positions we talked about or just... Kama Sutra positions in general, which there's a lot out there. So the uh, the, the last one that we have uh, listed for you guys is the padlock. So one partner sits on a firm surface like a table and reclines back slightly. The other partner leans in, lifting the other person's pelvis up and cradling it securely. Then in the seated uh, the seated person, excuse me, clasp their feet together behind the standing partner's back. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this yeah. on the movie. Yeah, no, we've done this. <laughs> yeah, this definitely uh, works. It can be done, but it, it takes a little bit of practice to get it just right. And it will work. You Anyone can do this. It feels good, too. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to jump into a few other pieces before we, we end with some of the takeaways. But we want to talk about also now getting into the myths about the Kama Sutra. What are some of the myths? That the Kama Sutra is only a sex book. <laughs> exactly. It's not a sex book. Obviously, as we just kind of indicated, just on the scratching the surface of the majority of this without getting like a strenuous detail, we just kind of gave you some of the, the high level Point of views that I thought was very, very insightful. Contrary to popular belief, though, the Kama Sutra explores many aspects of love, marriage, and a connection with a partner. Yeah, and another another myth about the Kama Sutra is that only the strong and very flexible can do the sex positions, which is not true because Teddy and I are not that flexible <laughs> but yet uh yet we are able to pull off a lot of these positions so i agree i mean I, like i said anyone can try it if you get a cramp okay take a break take a five and then get back to it definitely stretch before doing these positions <laughs> please stretch your muscles absolutely it is not pilates this is going to be for real so while some positions in the kama sutra are pretty physical physically challenging there are plenty that do not require more than average flexibility. So there, there's quite a bit in there. There's so many different variations you can do. Definitely give it a try. I, again, I highly, highly recommend it. 
And definitely try the Kama Sutra, but do it safely because there are some challenging positions that you could get hurt, get hurt real bad, <laughs> and end up in the ER and try to explain to the doctor how you broke your freaking wrist or, you know, pelvic bone in a sex position. That would even be more awkward than having a uh, sex accident. So make sure that you and your partner are physically able to do some of these positions. And if you feel pain or discomfort in any pose, definitely stop and try something else. And if you really need to, please consult your doctor. <laughs> I mean, make sure you're able to have sex safely and effectively without having any kind of issues. We don't need any heart attacks. We don't have any kind of high blood pressure stuff. Just saying, just in case. Please, doctor, can you see my coochie and make sure it's prepared for the Kama Sutra? What the hell? How are you going to talk to your doctor about that? Okay, can I have sex, doc? Like, yeah. you know? Every woman has to see a gynecologist, right? Yeah, but I don't talk to my gynecologist about, like, my sex life, you know? You have to in some aspects, not all. I mean, no. They check you, they give you a clean bill of health, and you're good to go. I don't know. I don't have that personal relationship with my doctor to be like, yeah, you know... I had amazing Kama Sutra sex with my husband the other day. And can you check me to make sure I didn't injure something down there? <laughs> can you imagine going up in there? Ooh, that's funny. So I wanted to go through um, some of the takeaways uh, uh, from the teachings about the Kama Sutra. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And it, it's hopefully insightful as well. So I got a few of them to go through. Jenny will definitely get a lot of interaction on this because she doesn't know what what's going to happen here. I'm just going to go ahead and go. I'm looking it. at you like, what are we doing? <laughs> what? So the, the main teachings of the Kama Sutra, just to kind of summarize a few things. Sex is about pleasure. Let's mm. be clear. Preach. Right? The Kama Sutra is all about, all about pleasure at its core, truly. And it's... Emphasizing the idea that sex should always feel good for both both people involved. It says that if sex is to had to be between two people, it should always be joyous. You definitely want to have that. It should be fabulous. It should be totally mutual, mutually uh, pleasurable. Otherwise, it's not really worth it at all. So I would I would definitely um, say that Kama Sutra definitely puts in such an array of sexuality, uh, connection, and pleasurability between two individuals. I'm not going to say other aspects to it, but that's about it for that point. Yeah, and they have, there's something in the Kama Sutra for everyone. Whether you like a certain something, or, you know, certain positions, or you feel a certain way, there's something in there for everyone. And if you know, those of you that may get a chance to read the comments teacher or have read it in the past it never actually talks about thrusting sexual fluids or the physical act of intercourse in any great detail at all it just simply talks about the way to increase physical sensations and erotic pleasures of sexual experiences so that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, when they start translating years after years after years of translating the comments teacher they throw in the extra stuff that we just like said about thrusting and so forth <laughs> i agree so the next teachable moment is prioritizing a woman's pleasure during sex the kama sutra places a lot of emphasis on a woman's pleasure it does tell women how to pleasure the man but the sort of the focus is is all about how it much it takes longer for a woman to come into pleasure so you've got to give her that time You've got to kiss her like this. You've got to do this to, to her in a, in a particular way. So it's all about that. It truly is. You're making me blush over here. <laughs> <laughs> My cheeks are turning red. I feel the heat. And here's here's the thing. If it takes her a few days to get the arousal, then you take those few days and get her to that point of exertion. You know, one version um, you know, explains that men must make sure their wife is fully pleasured for, um, you know, for the good of his business. And the other logic goes is if your wife is pleased in her life and in the bedroom, she'll support you in your work and all your endeavors. 
But if she's dissatisfied, she'll find other lovers or spend your money or otherwise make your life miserable. <laughs> Basically, happy wife, happy life. That That's that's what that sums up to. Happy wife, happy life. I agree. I agree. That's definitely where it gets to. <laughs> and then there's other versions uh, compared lovemaking to the skills of a warrior. Drawing connections between sex positions and battle positions. That's pretty damn cool. You are my warrior, Teddy. Uh, man. It's time for battle. You're making me think of the WWE back in the day with the, the warrior guy. Oh my God, I forgot his name. But he is the warrior. That's, that's his name. <laughs> but more broadly, a mutually happy relationship was you know seen in the bedrock of a healthy society. Literally every every single king of the of every kingdom, who have ever came to the throne, would have a copy of the Kama Sutra, written because they believe that if a couple would share a truly mutual pleasurable intimacy, then their relationship would be stable, and if the relationship was stable, society would be stable, and if society was stable, the kingdom would be stable. So. So basically, sex and pleasure over everyone will make everybody happy and there will be no chaos. Exactly. <laughs> the, the stability of the kingdom depending on the pleasure of the woman. Wow. A woman could literally make or break you, huh? Yep, it, they sure can. And a lot of times they break us here. Well, yeah, history shows that women have, you know, caused wars and have brought down kingdoms or built up kingdoms. It's always been because of a woman. The power that we have, ladies. It's it's incredibly powerful. That thing down there just <laughs> creates war, <laughs> creates pleasure. It does something to you. It drives you insane. <laughs> creates murder stuff. For some of the murder podcasts you guys probably listen to out there. Me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love those murder podcasts. But, you know, that that's just some of the aspects of, of, of that as well. Well, I am very happy, Teddy. So I hope your life is happy because you have a happy wife. Well, that's that's pretty good. I'm glad to know. At least my money's well, our money's still getting spent, too. But it's all right. Hey, but I'm smiling while spending it. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> we're just joking, you guys. Yep, we're just joking, for sure. Just a joke. Relax. Watch 500 emails already sent. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> we love you guys and love all your emails, by the way. We don't mind. So the uh, the next one here, this is for the fellas. Because all we think about is one thing. And ladies, I know you're going to enjoy this one. So, penetration isn't everything. The Kama Sutra makes it clear that penetration isn't the be-all and end-all of good sex. That's not what pleasure is all about. It's not all about the penetration. Sex is not just that one thing. So, you know, there are many non-penetrative activities at, and described by the Kama Sutra as being potential sources for pleasure. Oh, of pleasure, excuse me. So, for example, the book tells men to draw, keep drawing materials in their bedroom and to make portraits of their lover prior to sex. As a way to create moments of intimacy, eye contact, and one-on-one special time together. It also describes activities like juggling, using perfumes and jewelry, and specific types of kisses and love bites as parts of intimacy as well. Who the hell is going to juggle? What you yeah, juggling? You know, like, again, we're going back. This thing was created way back when, and there's a lot of different creativity things that people are using at that time. Can period. you imagine somebody's juggling in front of your face and that's supposed to turn you on? Like, oh, baby, yeah, yeah, throw it higher. What the heck? <laughs> what if they asked them to juggle their balls? <laughs> oh, gosh, you're so stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. Possibly. It could be. Who knows? We don't know what the juggling means, but it's there. Oh, Lord. But... I think sex for most people is about that penetration, isn't it? And nothing more? Not for us. I mean, I definitely, even when we were younger and we started doing it for the first time, I never seen it as that was what was sex for us. I always seen it as so much more, you know, the kissing, the touching, the just holding each other. And reality is that for most women, that doesn't even count as pleasurable. There's nothing exciting about that at all. 
It's like the least exciting thing. We're talking about the penetration? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I love, you know, penetrated sex, but if I had to choose between holding you and being like, you know, just emotionally vulnerable and just kissing and stuff, I would choose that over the penetrated part any day. Exactly. I mean, there's so many other things um, uh, to explore during the sexual act itself. So, as we talked about in this entire segment here, men are instructed to make sure their female partner has at least two orgasms before even considering penetrating her. Well, you've succeeded <laughs> quite a bit. So wow. Keep, keep that in mind, guys. The whole point of pleasurability is being a giver. And being a giver meaning to satisfy your partner and satisfying her to the point she truly has that level. And women, if you have not experienced multiple orgasms, I think that's probably one of the most things that you guys can do that men cannot do. Majority of men cannot do is have multiple orgasms in that aspect. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it, it, it really, truly is. Does size matter? Well, when it comes to the penis and the vagina intercourse, the Kama Sutra teaches that size does, in fact, matter. It says that if two people are going to have sex, then one of the first criteria is that the sexual organs should match in size. If the woman is too tight and the man is too big, it's going to lead to pain. And if the woman is too large and he's too small, there's going to be absolutely no sensation. So the idea is that the organs should be the same size, essentially. That's kind of hard to do because you, you don't really know the partner at the moment until you actually first get intimately involved. I agree. It's like, how do you... How do you measure that out? It's like, hold on, let me measure your penis and make sure it's going to fit in my vagina. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, this is actually the basis for why the Kama Sutra talks about sex positions in so much, so much in the first place. So it says that if two partners' sexual organs are not matched in the terms of size, they should engage in, sp in specific positions to, ma to help maximize sensation and pleasure and or minimize any sexual pain itself. So those are the sex positions described in the Kama Sutra. So for instance, if the woman is really, really big and the man is really small, it recommends that the woman should lie on her side. Uh, she should pull her legs up a little bit. That makes her vagina opening a bit smaller and then the man should enter from a particular angle so that he will feel the friction against her a little bit more. And then... We talked about that position, yeah. what you're saying, last episode we did. Yeah, exactly. The big O. That actually works really good for experiencing the big O if you're a woman. Exactly. And that's pretty much what that was meant for. So that's just, you know, chocolates in the box. Just put it that way in analogy-wise. <laughs> Uh, of of where that comes from in the Kama Sutra. So it also gives you technical advances of, of how to, if your part, if you guys do not match. Ideally, you guys do match in some aspect. Again, it may be a slight variation. All right, so the last part I have for you guys, most teachable moments that we have, is pleasure can be derived from many parts of life. Although sexuality and intimacy is a big theme throughout the Kama Sutra, the point of the of the book was not simply to teach people about how to have good sex. Well, we think that sex, you know, when someone says the word Kama Sutra, what, what it really is about is finding self-love, being a dutiful husband or wife, and learning to appreciate the arts. It teaches us to derive from pleasure from inherently non-sexual activities. So that is really, truly of what it, it means to uh, abide by the Kama Sutra overall. So it's a lot of this stuff that we discussed today is kind of overall what we always discuss in all our episodes summed up into one, that sex isn't just sex. It's emotional, it's physical, it's mental. It is all of the above. And you and your partner should be able to experience the beauty of sex 
through those aspects. And the Kama Sutra teaches us just that, correct? I agree. You know, from thousands and thousands of years of such a procreation and being able to master it, I think we get better just like wine do. It gets better throughout time. So practice, practice, practice. Read all that you can. Discover what you and your partner enjoy and love about each other. And then being able to bring tons and tons of pleasure. Remember, climax twice for the women, men only once. Penetration not as important as the the woman's orgasms first. Wow. See, this is your peoples that taught this stuff because that's, that's your background, correct? Yes, it is. It really is. And that's why I married you. (laughs) (laughs) And Teddy and Jenny can be found on TikTok, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're interested in our really cool merch from Cream in My Coffee, check out our store on Bonfire. Not only do we have fashionable Cream in My Coffee apparel, we also have shirts, tanks, and hoodies representing multiple sclerosis awareness. I also wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you for hitting that subscribe button for our podcast. With each subscription, you allow more people to learn about this podcast. And when you hit the subscribe button, it automatically downloads our upcoming episode on the day of release. For those of you listening to us on Spotify, as most of you know, Spotify now offers a really cool feature where you can leave us a comment on the Spotify platform, allowing you to engage with other listeners and see their comments as well. We love all your positive feedback for our show. You can also leave us voice recordings on Spotify for podcasters, which I will link in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to Teddy and Jenny at creamandmycoffee97 at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or ideas for our upcoming episodes. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening again today. And until next time, I love you like I love my coffee. Hot, hot, hot. 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 Muy caliente, papi. <laughs>